Product managers give 100% of themselves to their customers. But who's there for the PM? The Product Management Center at the University of Washington. It's a global hub for knowledge, community, and impact. I'm Jeff Schulman, founding director of the Product Management Center and your host on this show, How to Succeed in Product Management. Welcome, everybody. My name is Jeff Schulman, and I am the founding director of the Product Management Center here at the University of Washington. And we are building a more diverse, inclusive, and skilled product management community. Part of that is being here every single week, sharing some of the best and brightest in product management so that you could learn what it takes to succeed. This is put out as the podcast, the How to Succeed in Product Management podcast, which is available on every major podcasting platform. And today we are talking about the U.S. Digital Core. And this is not a paid sponsorship in any way. This is just Charles, who is on our advisory board and has done so much to build a more inclusive future for product management, is super passionate about the U.S. Digital Core and wanted us to make everybody aware of this opportunity for you to apply your skills or to hone your skills. So Charles, real quick, I'm going to ask you if you could, before we get to our guests today, tell us why should somebody listen to this podcast today or who should stick around for this hour to learn about the U.S. Digital Core and what are they going to get out of this conversation? I mean, oh gosh, like, well, one, it's great to be here. Great to have Jamie and Chris. Since we have one of the co-founders, the U.S. Digital Core, I don't know that I'll be able to live up to how he pitches it, Jeff. But here's the way I would say, you know, so I'm, I'm a commercial SaaS product manager. I love my job. Folks will look me up. I'm at Autodesk. It's a great company. Deeply care about the things we build and the impact that we have. That said, think about so much of the human experience and the citizen experience is outside of commercial technology, and it impacts us deeply. You know, when we when we seek healthcare, when we need a driver's license, when we're trying to vote, when we're trying to go to another country, and and right now our technology is just not living up to the year 2023. And there are so many opportunities to improve the human and the citizen experience there. And the U.S. Digital Core, they're seeing the challenge and stepping into it and bringing in, you know, the amazing ideas, the imagination, the service, the wanting to solve problems of the next generation and bringing them into government. So that is my pitch. Hopefully Chris is, is nodding his head over there. But back over to you, Jeff. All right. So in short, Charles, is it safe to say that this is potentially an opportunity for those who want to have a big impact that they probably never thought of, that they might learn something and they might learn that it's for them or not for them, but at least they'll be exposed to an opportunity to have a big impact that they, they haven't thought of. Is that fair summary? Yeah, 100%. And if they're like, okay, I know exactly where my tacos are and they're in route and I can look at my app, you know, and it, it's super easy to do, but I have no idea when my how to get a new passport and where it is, and they want to solve that, then come and join us and solve things like that. That's what I would say, Jeff. All right. Thanks, Charles. So let's go to Chris, co-founder of the U.S. Digital Core. Tell us your background and what inspired you to be a part of uh, building this out. Yeah, happy to. And uh, Jeffrey, Charles, thanks so much for for having Jamie. And honestly, you could not have said it much better than you did. So so thank you for, for the introduction. As Jeffrey mentioned, I am one of the co-founders of the U.S. Digital Core, currently serving as our deputy director. And my path to this role and to this work is really having had dual passions and, and knowing many other people who have as well for a long time in both technology, but also in public service. And I think in today's day and age, we see that almost everything depends on technology and especially here in government. And so having an opportunity for new and recent graduates, folks early on in their technology careers to, to bring those skill sets to serve the public, to work on high impact issues from cybersecurity to customer experience, to making government work better for everyday Americans. It has been a huge pleasure and honor to, to lead the program. And I would say mostly in working with all of our fellows. And so um, for those of you who might not be familiar with the digital core, it was launched two and a half years ago by the White House in collaboration with a number of government agencies. It's based out of an agency called the General Services Administration, or GSA, which you might hear me refer back to. And again, a focus on the early career end of the tech talent spectrum here in government. It's a two-year fellowship program. Product management is one of the five tracks that we specifically recruit in 
but we also recruit fellows who are software engineers, data scientists, designers, and also in cybersecurity. And over the course of our two-year journey, our fellows work at a on a high-impact project across government. So we currently have just shy of 90 fellows working at 19 different federal agencies. Again, everything from climate and environment to cybersecurity, national security, immigration, public health. Now, like all of that, you can see from a lens of product, you can see from a lens of service delivery, and, and government really is a service delivery organization. So Jamie is one of our 2023 fellows. She's just a, a few months into her time here with us, and we're really lucky to have her and a number of product management fellows across the program. And Chris, I think your application is open right now, is it not? Yeah, so this is a, a really exciting time for a couple of reasons, but we just announced yesterday, in fact, we couldn't have timed this more perfectly, but we announced the applications for our 2024 cohort. So these fellows starting in the su- summer of 2024, that those applications will open next Monday on November 6th. And so between now and then, we're doing huge recruitment blitz. We're doing a bunch of information sessions where folks can hear from our team, from current fellows, and you can find all of that on the Digital Core website, digitalcore.gsa.gov. Or if you just enter that into a search engine, you'll you'll likely be able to find that information. And uh, speaking to timing as well, uh, some of you may have seen yesterday uh, an executive order that the White House released on safe, secure, and trustworthy artificial intelligence. And now it's a little bit further afield from product management, but the digital core was named in the executive order as part of a national AI talent surge. And so being entrusted and directed by the government and by the White House and the president to help scale up how we recruit AI and AI enabling technologists across government. So if any of you have ever thought of a career in public service, maybe this conversation kind of leads you down that direction. There are many opportunities, not just through our program, but across government that I'm happy to talk to. All right. We want to hear, I know, Jeff, we want to hear, we have a fellow fellow, right? Yeah, double fellow. Double fellow. Jamie, if you could share a little bit about your background and and I'll share too. Jamie, you know, I think I've been fortunate, lucky to be Jamie's mentor for two plus years and her dream of product managing, which was always her dream and how our connection started was realized through the US Digital Core and and what Chris was talking about here. And she is a, as she'll share with us, she's product managing right now. So over to you, Jamie, why don't you share a little bit of your background and your uh, current fellowship role as a PM in the program? Yes, I will be happy to. Uh, First and foremost, thank you. I'm very excited to be here. Everyone on this call has been very impactful in my journey. I am Jamie, a U.S. Digital Core Product Fellow. Chris mentioned I've been here for about four months and currently work as a product manager within the Office of Refugee Resettlement, where my primary focus is on, you know, improving technology and services that aid in the safe unification of children and families. But my journey has been non-traditional to get the product started in the military Um, where that really taught me the importance of using technology that could actually do good. Moved into customer experience and ended up as a senior process analyst where I was product adjacent and actually took on a lot of product functions before realizing, wow, this is really something that I want to do. A few years ago, I I really kind of woke up and realized that I I wanted more mission-oriented work. And in the midst of looking for this and and going out and, and really doing research, I found out about the uh, United States Digital Corps, and it has been a journey ever since I applied and was able to make it. So very excited. All right. Thank you, Jamie, for sharing what drew you to the U.S. Digital Corps. Now I want to hear, Chris, is it predominantly for people getting their first or early product management experience in terms of the product management track, or do you have opportunities for part-time work or for more senior people to join the U.S. Digital Corps? It's a fantastic question. And The digital core is primarily focused on new and recent graduates and recruiting people who are early in their career. But we actually build a pretty broad definition of what it means to be 
early career. So we're not just looking for people who are coming out of a traditional four-year undergraduate degree. Part of that is we know that very few people necessarily go to school specifically to be product managers. People come into this work and come into technology with all different backgrounds and life experiences. And so in our cohort of 90 or so fellows, we're really proud of the diversity of life experience and identity that we have across the program. We have career changers like Jamie, we have people who have built really long and, and strong careers in other fields who have gone back to school and decided that they wanted to, to pivot to technology. And we have folks who are coming out of their first degree, and this might be their first full-time job ever. And so there are many different paths to becoming a U.S. Digital Core Fellow. And I think our work and the way that we're serving the American people is better for having those diverse life experiences at the table. We're proud that our both of our cohorts to date have been majority women, majority people of color. I think that's not something to scoff at when it comes to the state of the technology industry more broadly. We have fellows that work in 20 different states across the country, and so there's great geographic representation as well. And in terms of career level, if there are more experienced technologists out there who are considering perhaps pivoting to public service, even though the digital core is focused on people who are earlier in their career, I would suggest to you a couple of our peer programs that we work very closely with. And so a number of those are the Presidential Innovation Fellows, as well as the U.S. Digital Service, very similar name there, but they both hire people who are further along in their careers. And in fact, both the Innovation Fellows and the Digital Service were named alongside the U.S. Digital Core in the AI Executive Order yesterday. So we work very closely with them. And I think we are very much moving towards a world where there are opportunities for people of all career levels to consider public service. And I'm sure you're never confused with each other by other people, Chris, the, the U.S. Digital <laughs> Service. Never. We're, we're, we're happy to be working so closely together. And I think part of that is just coming from there is so much work to be done. There's tremendous opportunity for people to bring a product mindset and, and skill set to work. Uh, Charles, to your point, perhaps building something that's a little bit more hands-on and impactful than a food delivery app or something. We have product managers like Jamie who, who are working on products that are critical for case officers um, who are trying to look after and care after children who are coming unaccompanied to this country looking for a better future products that are helping people stay enrolled in social services, get nutrition assistance or, or maintain access to healthcare. And so I would say working in government, it's a new challenge every day, but there's definitely this feeling and Jamie can probably talk about it of kind of leaving and leaving work every day, feeling like what you did, you can draw a line to how that makes someone's life better in, in a really tangible way. And I mean, Jamie mentioned having been in the military uh, previously, I think, and we're honored by the fact that so many people who have served the public and in other ways continue their service in a civilian sense uh, through the digital core as well. So Jamie, which aspects of product managers, depending on the product, take on different responsibilities in the product lifecycle? Which aspects are you getting to take on? Are you involved in the discovery? Are you involved in the vision? Are you involved in the execution? All of it. What parts of the product management experience are you getting your hands on at the moment? Thank you, Jeff. That is an excellent question. Simply put, I am able to really, uh, within all of the uh, discovery from execution, with the work that I do, I am in some projects that have been in process for months. And then I'm also taking on some newer uh, discovery items as well. So that's one of the things that is unique, at least in my particular role, to where I really get to do a bit of both. And what has been the most rewarding aspect? Is there any accomplishments that you're most proud of that we could document here on a podcast recorded forever? Any accomplishments that you've had that you're proud of or any experiences that you've had that have just been really eye-opening or uh, impactful in your life? Yes, I would definitely say there are. For me, the highlight truly has been witnessing the tangible impacts of the work, working on projects that, you know, are improving the technology, supporting these vital programs, 
streamlining the process and ensuring that every step um, that has taken has the end user in mind. Overall, the goal for our work on my team is really to ensure that, you know, these thousands of unaccompanied children that enter HHS uh, care are safe, thriving, and swiftly united. And, and that's just incredible work. Jamie, is your end user the case officer then? It depends. The system that is used, different people. So it's, sometimes it's a case officer. Sometimes it may be a field officer. It would depend on which section. Right. And Jeff, before we go back, I just want to share all of our folks that are showing up to learn more about the U.S. Digital Core and product management and public sector. Jeff, I think it's around the 30-minute mark. We invite folks to come or to ask questions, et cetera. I just want to make sure, because I know we have a lot of folks very passionate about this here. That's right. In 10 minutes or so, you'll get your chance in the audience to ask questions of uh, Charles, Jamie, and hopefully Chris. So Chris, my question for you then is, what about you? Is there some impact that you're most proud of, whether it's on the the fellows themselves or the impact that the fellows are having? Something that you want to share and document here on this podcast? Yes, I'm just tremendously proud. And as someone that doesn't have the same technical background that our fellows like Jamie have, just being able to amplify impact across currently 90 or so fellows working across government. There, There are many days where I hear about work that Jamie other fellows are doing. And I wish that I were in their shoes, kind of in the weeds doing that work hands-on. But for me to be at a somewhat higher level, hearing the impact that they're having, not just from the fellows themselves, but from our agency partners, the teams that we're working with, their leadership, even hearing really testimonials from end users, it's all tremendously powerful. And I would say for a program that did not exist even three years ago at this time, th- there's been a lot of learning that has gone into the, the program. And we are very much standing on the shoulders of many civic tech and public service efforts that have come previously. And so I, I'm very much a, a history nerd in this regard. And I think in our country, we've had a, a long history and legacy of public service opportunities for people with various backgrounds to get involved in projects that serve the broader community. And I'm really proud of the fact that now here in 2023 and beyond, folks with product management, other tech data and design skill sets can also see a path to serving the public without having to uh, choose that or kind of having hands-on skills. So the fact that we've been able to do this in short order is definitely a testament to the team here that we have at GSA, our partners across government. And I'm grateful every day for the work and to for the work that our fellows are doing. Now, uh, bringing product sense and product thinking to any organization that's not built that way or started that way could be quite the challenge. Now you're bringing in People as product managers with maybe less than five years of experience, less than a lot of product management experience. So what are the challenges of getting the stakeholders aligned to this product thinking, this product sense of focusing on the the user and doing things differently than I'd imagine one would naturally expect from government and perhaps some people there are used to doing? So that was kind of a verbose question. and <laughs> But like, what are some of the challenges of like bringing this product sense and product thinking to the government? And how are you overcoming those challenges? And that's for both of you or all three of you to chime in as you wish. Happy to start, Jeff. And I think context is critical. And when we talk about government, government is actually a incredibly diverse and kind of decentralized place in a lot of senses. We have a executive branch, we've obviously legislative and judicial branches, and that's just at the federal level. That's repeated at state level, often at the county and at the local levels as well. So when people think of interacting with the government, it's actually quite federated. And there are often teams and agencies and offices that might be further along in their product journey and their digital maturity than others. And so I think when it comes for us to identifying places for early career fellows to to land, we are looking for teams that have done some work already on that digital transformation, having that product sense so that our fellows aren't necessarily starting from square one. And that's kind of alluding to what I mentioned just previously around standing on the shoulders of folks who have been doing this work for a while. And 
we've seen a lot of great leadership in under this administration. In January, uh, December of 2021, President Biden signed a different executive order focused on improving the customer experience of government. And a lot of that is thinking about service design and thinking about building products and services with the end user in mind instead of the silos and the traditional definitions that we have around boundaries and agencies here in government. There have been a lot of noise and energy around a really important effort around the 21st Century Integrated Digital Experience Act, which is often shortened to the 21st Century Idea Act. And so there's a a legacy of this work that digital core fellows are continuing. And so often for us, from a program perspective, we are looking for teams and agencies, including Jamie's at the Administration for Children and Families, who have already started on that journey and where early career fellows can only help accelerate that. And not only is the Digital Core a a two-year program where uh, Jamie and her colleagues end up on teams for two years, but at the end of those two years, there's also a pathway for our fellows to transition into permanent positions in the civil service, which is fairly unique when it comes to civic tech programs that we've seen in government. And so we recognize that this work is a relay race. Our fellows will will jump in at the moment that they do. And one of our goals is to set them up to be able to do that in the long term as well. And Jamie, what about your experience? What have you done personally that's helped you win over the stakeholders? So Chris is making it sound like you're not having any skeptics. I'm skeptical that you don't have skeptics. So I'm just curious. You don't have to acknowledge that they're skeptics, but what are you doing to win over your stakeholders and convince them that you know what you're talking about and they should follow what you are trying to get them to follow? I know the biggest thing for me is open communication. There are many diverse stakeholders in really being able to speak with people, talk to people, understand, number one, what they're saying and why they're saying it really get into the heart, as Chris mentioned, that emphasis on customer experience and on trying to solve for the user in mind. Because I think that that kind of brings consensus to, okay, this isn't just about the technology. This is about actually solving this need for the end user in mind. And that has been extremely helpful. I have been at my agency almost four months, and it's been a very positive experience. People come in and they're excited to come to the technology team. They invite us to those meetings to help solve those issues that they may encounter. And I'm going to go back to you, Jamie. So you are, you know, you said you were in a product adjacent role. You've been working with Charles as you work to break into product management. You're in the University of Washington's Inclusive Product Management Accelerator. So you're learning and you have learned a lot about product management. And now you're applying it here with the U.S. Digital Core. What has been the most profound product management lesson that you have learned on the job? Like, what is something that, you know, if somebody's not thinking about the U.S. Digital Core, but your experience in the U.S. Digital Core could help them be a better product manager, is there anything that you've learned being on the job that maybe something's harder than we've described it? Or, yeah, just anything that your experience has helped you, a lesson that you've taken away from it? That's an excellent question. That's a very good question. I would say, and this may be advice that Charles actually shared with me when I first started the journey to really try to be a product manager, to stay curious. Being that I am in a new role and a new team at a new agency, I'm having to use that curiosity every single day. And I think that that is like a central tenet of being a effective product manager or anyone in technology, because that allows you to dig deeper to solve these issues. But that's the biggest thing I've realized, even when I wanted to make the shift to learn more about product, it was being curious and looking for these resources, trying to have conversations with people that have been extremely helpful. And I do that every single day, still. And I have to ask, Chris, you've used the word public service, public service a lot of times. Do you have to choose between serving the public and, I don't know, feeding your family, so to speak? Just getting spicy. Yeah. Like, is it, (laughs) do you have to take a vow of poverty to serve the government and apply your technology skills? Just going to go straight for it. Tell me a little bit more about where that trade-offs or intersections are. It's an important question, and I appreciate you mentioning it and and bringing up salary and and just the general how we recruit talent, right? And our philosophy has always been we want to have a competitive opportunity that we feel like on the merits when you consider everything is actually 
uh, quite competitive. So starting on salary, all of our fellows are on a accelerated career ladder, which means that folks get promoted at a faster rate than traditional federal employees. I mentioned that our fellows are able to work in a fully remote posture if they so choose all the way across the country. So pay does vary depending on location. But for example, I'm here in Washington, D.C. right now, and our fellows in Washington, D.C. have a starting salary over $86,000. And on that career ladder, I believe they're over $100,000 in the second year, assuming they meet all program and performance requirements, which generally we see that our fellows don't have any issue doing. There's competitive benefits, right? The government is the largest employer in the country. And so that means that there's a lot of negotiating power when it comes to insurance packages and the like. Obviously, people don't come to public service uh, to be rich, but it is important that we are able to bring folks in from all socioeconomic backgrounds and, and people who might have taken student loans and have really real responsibilities to support their family. So if you ask me, hey, is $86,000 really, I mean, one thing that I've found myself talking a lot about recently is job security. A job in the federal government is among the most secure out there. And in a world where there has been turbulence in the tech industry, I think people value knowing that, hey, as long as I continue to do good work, I can count on stability, not just for the next few weeks or the next few months, but for years on end. And that goes to the ability to convert into a permanent position in government as well. But at the end of the day, second to none when it comes to the mission and the impact and the service. Uh, that, that much is priceless, but I think the pay is competitive the, the benefits are competitive. The work-life balance, I think, is another. And the job security is something that a lot of people, and I think rightfully value. I know I do personally. Thanks for answering that question. I appreciate the clarity in that. Uh, Charles, you had a question as well. Yes. Yeah. And, and I'll speak because, you know, my experience and we have some of our folks joining us here, one of our Army PMs that I get to work with, Arthur's here too. Bringing product management as an approach into public sector is incredibly worthwhile, but it is very spicy. It is very difficult in my experience, just speaking from my experience and the folks that I support. And one of the things that I see is good PMs and good PM practices flatten organizations because you're saying someone is responsible for that customer and end user experience, collecting it, prioritizing it, and developing a plan to improve it. And in government organizations where it's like, did you email person A to email person B to email person C to eventually brief exec? And then it goes up and down and it can take six months to get a meeting. Like that's not how great product management works. So I'm just curious, like, how do you make sure that folks understand what you can do and that you're in the right meetings to do it? That's a really good question. I think the core is really to ensure that we understand the problem because I feel like if we really focus more on the problem and not the solution at first, then we can understand who needs to be there to talk through that problem. Who is it that we're actually solving that problem for? And, you know, even going back to my military experience, um, sometimes we would begin with the solution first instead of the problem. So I think that that's core, bringing that problem in first. Chris, I was going to go to you too and to, to answer that, but also like how it makes you and the leadership team of U.S. Digital Corps think about placement, which organizations and leaders you seek to place with. Yeah, I'll, I'll piggyback what Jamie said first, which is understanding the problem, doing the user research, and, and making sure that everyone's on the same page and sees that in, in black and white is critical. And I think as technologists, not just as product managers, but the same is true for data scientists and designers and engineers and the like is to see technology not as an ends into of itself, but a means to accomplishing an end, perhaps. And there are many problems in government where a better product or a better piece of technology, a new piece of technology, might not actually be the best solution. It might be, hey, we need to simplify a process. We need to simplify this policy. We need to do something else altogether. And so there's a humility that we look for and that we try to incubate in our fellows and other civic technologists that, hey, technology is just one tool. It is not going to be a silver bullet to solving any of your problems. And so I think that helps 
build a lot of trust with stakeholders across government, that it's not, hey, I know better than you and I'm going to build you an app that's going to save the world. But it's, hey, let's understand what shared goals that we have and maybe this skill set, maybe this approach can help. But I want to listen and learn, right? Let's pair a technology and a product expertise with your subject matter expertise and together we're going to be greater than the sum of our parts. And all of that is an attitude and approach that we look for in agency partners. And I mean, I've mentioned that we're a fairly new program. We have a pretty small program team, which has been growing and will continue to grow, which we're excited about. But what that means is that right now we actually have more agencies across government who are requesting digital core fellows than we have the capacity to support in any given cohort. And so we had 38 fellows in our first cohort, 48 fellows in our second But the number of requests that we've received have been many multiples of those numbers. And so what that means is it puts us in a a pretty strong position to be able to pick and choose and hone the partners that we select based on how mature they are, what orientation and experiences do they have previously working with early career technologists, and really finding generally the places where we believe fellows are going to be best suited for success. I, as on the leadership of this program, we don't want to be sending fellows into hostile environments where the conditions are not cut out for them. We want to send them into places where not only can they have an impact with their skill set, but they can also continue to learn and develop their expertise. And that focus on mentorship and learning development is especially critical at the early career level. So those are all things that we look for in partners, and and we're lucky to have the partners that we do. And so I'll, I'll plug it again. The Digital Core website is a fantastic resource. We have recently published a number of impact and case studies of work that our fellows are doing and have done, and that spans all five of our tracks, a number of our agencies. So would definitely encourage folks to check that out to see in pretty explicit detail what these skill sets uh, can mean for real people here in government. All right, Charles, you you uh, plugged it earlier. It's time for audience questions. We had one, we lost him. If anybody else has a question, please raise your hand and we'll get you up on stage. Your questions could be related to the U.S. Digital Core or about what being in the U.S. Digital Core helped uh, Jamie learn about product management or even about Chris and his journey co-founding something that has taken off, so to speak. But anyway, so yes, ask questions of Jamie about what she's learned. Ask Chris about uh, his founder journey or questions about the U.S. Digital Core in particular, so to speak. Hopefully I got this right. Ronica? Jeffrey, I think you I think you nailed it. It was a little bit some distortion, but it's Ronica. Actually, it's uh, Greek for uh, success and bringer of victories. I have a question. So I know this was slated towards early career professionals. But given the magnitude of the problems across uh, the the government, as you so aptly kind of talked about the different levels, are you guys looking to also bring seasoned professionals in or is this purely just something for early career professionals uh, to kind of improve the workforce talent pipeline and kind of get them going with their skill sets? So it's all of the above, Ronica, and, and thank you for your question. Actually, there have been a number of programs long before the digital core that existed solely to hire, in your words, more seasoned professionals in technology. And so we created the digital core because we realized there weren't opportunities for people earlier on to get involved without having to do a bunch of years elsewhere and then transition into government. So I mentioned two programs with that I would encourage you to check out. Uh, they're both currently accepting applications as well. The United States Digital Service And the Presidential Innovation Fellows are are two great opportunities. If you go to, for those of you who have AI backgrounds at all career levels, as part of the executive order yesterday, there's a national AI talent surge, which you can find at AI.gov. And then if you're looking broadly for technology roles in government at all levels, there are a couple of websites to check out there, but I would encourage folks to look at it's tech.usajobs.gov. And that's also a central repository, and you can filter by career level as well. So while the digital core does focus on people who are just starting out their technology journeys, there's, like you said, a lot of work to be done. We need all the help that we can get. And it's my personal hope that everyone can find a path for themselves to do public service, whether it's for a short period of time, it's for at the outset of their career, 
or maybe it's for a short period that they thought and then they end up getting hooked and they stick around for a while and we hear a lot of those stories as well so thank you for that question it's really great to hear if i if i could just follow it up with one more other question because i studied science and policy initiative at the intersection of science technology and society at mit are there opportunities as well for i guess more of the like mentorship to the product folks who are in the early career program from seasoned professional yeah, product yeah. leaders across the Me- industry. We've all been in conversations and have seen links and articles about how important mentorship is. And it's definitely something that is baked into the program design, the fellow experience in the digital core. And so all of our fellows do get paired with a mentor, uh, typically inside their agency, but outside their chain of command. So it's someone who can be in their corner as they're navigating the first few weeks, months, and even years in public service. It gets a little bit trickier when it's mentors outside of the government, just given rules and all of that, which might not come as a surprise for folks. But I don't know, Jamie, I'd love, I don't know if you found great mentors. I know some of them are here in this conversation, but have you found kind of those supports from folks on your team at ACF? I know we've also, one really cool thing that I got to see play out was the first class of fellows paying it forward to the second class as they came on with their orientation saying, hey, here are things that I wish I knew when I was starting out. And we were the first class, so we didn't. But now that we're in a position to share. So even peer mentorship being valuable as well. And Jamie, I'm curious if any of that has been notable in in your first few months on the job. Yes, 100%. Before I ever met, you know, my supervisor and my leadership team at the U.S. Digital Core. I had that pair mentor along with their just numerous amazing communities, both on the U.S. uh, digital core end, in which people are so open to coffee chats and helping you and just talking through different items in the same way on the agency level and internal within my team. The amount of collaboration that I've experienced overall has been truly phenomenal. Everyone, they knew that we came in as a new cohort and truly made it very open that they were here to help and here to support us. All right, we have to keep the train moving along because we have so many more people asking questions. We only have 10 minutes to do it. Thank you so much. What was it, the goddess of success? Did I hear that correctly? Is that what you said about uh, what your name means? No, it's just success in, in Hindi, Latin, Greek, but it's bringer of victories. It's a diminutive. Bringer of victories. Veronica. That sounds like someone I want to be connected with. <laughs> let me go. Yeah. Let me go fix that. I'm going to do right the same. Now. That is beautiful. All right. Thank name. You. And then Charles, normally I have Red here with me, but uh, you've got so much energy, I feel like you could take over <laughs> well, as moderator. We're talking about public sector. So we got a lot of great folks. We want to hear your questions just to expectation manage. We may just be moving it forward so that we can hear from as many people as possible. So just in order, we're, if I pronounce it right, Jensen. And then when you come on, you can tell me if I did that right. Then we'll go to Ian. And then we're going to go to Rashu, if I pronounce that right, and then just fix it when we come in. So you are up first. Hi, yes, it's Jensen. Thank you so much. Hi, Jamie. We're in the um, IPMA Fellowship together. So it's great to see you. Thanks for this session. So I'm coming, like, prior to working in advertising, I am coming from a social work background. So I used to work as a case manager focused on, like, the homelessness population. So I'm really interested about this space. I'm not completely familiar, but in regards to the different problems that fellows have the opportunity to work with, I would love to learn more about that process. Like, what is the criteria that the team looks into to decide which focus area that candidate will go into? Is it solely based off of, you know, where they worked in the past or do fellows have the opportunity to address like different problems that they want to jump on at the start of their product career for the fellowship? Over to you, Jamie. Yeah, so I would say within my interview process, there was a portion in the application where I could add my preferences. However, they did very well because I, I made it very clear that my passions lied within closer to the work that um, the Administration of Children and Families do, uh, which is exactly where my interviews were. But I think it, it it really does. Your past really doesn't have to dictate where you go. I am military, worked in telecom customer experience before. So the work that I'm doing now is different, but in a way it still correlates. So 
Thanks for that. And I know like when I was prepping with Jamie, she's like, this is the number one thing I would love to product manage. <laughs> and so, and I know for our applicants into the program, Chris cannot promise that that's how that's going to happen. But it sounds like Chris, y'all do try to take into intake here of what your fellows are really interested in and where they have domain expertise, where they're credible in your placement. Yeah, we, we definitely take skills, interests, experience into mind, but it's not a barrier, right? Over 80% of our fellows have never worked in the government before. And so even if it's just an interest and you don't have experience in a certain field, maybe you've taken coursework in it, though, we do take that into account in our matching process. It is a pretty drawn out process. We have many candidates, many projects. Some days I wish we had almost kind of a dating app or something for agencies and candidates to find kind of mutual excitement. But a lot of it is really just a lot of time on our end. And yeah. we, take, we take that really seriously, kind of finding these placements. But ultimately, there is a, it's not, hey, I have decided by myself and you're stuck with it. Our candidates and our agencies have an opportunity to meet each other, really dig deep and, and have a couple of conversations before anyone kind of moves forward. And so it is an iterative process that takes folks' interest into consideration. Thanks, Chris. Thanks, Jensen. Great question. Over to you, Ian. What do we got next? Ah, well, um, I really do appreciate you guys for hosting this. Like, this has been amazing. My question about interest was already answered, but I have a more lighthearted question. So, Jamie, you mentioned that your days are never the same. And I'm curious, like, if your new career in product management was like a sitcom or a TV show, I'm just curious what the title would be. That is the most unique <laughs> question we've ever had on the How to Succeed in Product Management podcast. Thank you, Ian. Jamie, do you think you could pull that together in a moment's notice here? Do you have something coming to mind? He's used that, that is... as a high school teacher. I guarantee it. He's, <laughs> Ian has done that before. Yeah, I absolutely love it. I would say, I don't know what the name would be. Does it have to be existing name or can it just be something that is brand new? You make up something brand new, Jamie. What TV show are we watching? What TV show? I feel like it would be like similar to like The Office, but like government, public service style almost. To me, that feels like Parks and Rec, <laughs> by the way. That's what that feels like. Oh, I can see that now. Yeah. Yes. Elements of it, yes. You know, Ian and I were both Teach for America alums. If we knew about the U.S. Digital Corps, we might have considered that, Chris. So you're you're creating new optionality for generations of people that want to serve their country and community in an area that it's it's really needed. Thank you, Ian. Appreciate you. Appreciate your question. We're going to go over to Rashu. Hopefully, I said it night right there. Yeah, that's correct. Thanks, uh, Charles. Um, my question is more across the eligibility. So the new uh, President Fellowship that came out, it states that only U.S. citizens and nationals are allowed to apply for it. So does nationals mean you're a holder of green card or you're in the process of getting your green card? Or is it you have to be a citizen even before you can apply for any jobs? Yeah, Rashi, thanks for that question. This is one of those eligibility criteria that's set way above my pay grade. But as we are hiring folks into the federal government, the, the criteria is pretty clear in that folks do have to be U.S. citizens. The definition of U.S. national is a resident of American Samoa or Swains Island. It is not those who have green cards or permanent residents. Or they, though there are a, like I mentioned previously, many layers of government. We work at the federal level. There are great technology, product management, digital service teams at the state and local levels across the country as well. And many of those offices and agencies don't have a citizenship requirement, and they might have more of a residency requirement to require you to live in, say, the Commonwealth of Massachusetts or the city of Boston without regard to citizenship status. So I would say for those of you out there who might not be uh, U.S. citizens at the moment, to look at public interest tech and civic tech opportunities at different levels of government where there might be more flexibility. Got it. One other question. So as this executive order came like a day or two before and you guys are recruiting, would you think it would make sense to just apply for it, stating that not a U.S. citizen, just to be in the portal so that if future opportunities or if you guys decide to change the criteria because of labor shortage in AI or machine learning and things like that. Do you think that's an option at this point or just stay tuned with updated information and if any changes are proposed? 
if we're talking about the digital course specifically at Rashu, I would advise to to hold off on applying. If things do change on our eligibility, we will be very clear about that. And the best way to keep in touch with us is usually to follow us on social media. And so we're pretty active on LinkedIn, fittingly for this conversation here, as well as on Twitter. And we do have a newsletter that you can subscribe to on our website. And so if anything does change, those are some of the channels that we'll push things out on. And so I think if you were to apply, there is a question in the application process that kind of asks, are you a citizen, yes or no? And if you answer no, it kind of automatically will funnel you off. So probably wouldn't make a lot of sense at this moment. Rashu, thank you so much. We got to get to concluding thoughts, but really appreciate you hopping on stage and getting your question answered here. We have one more person before concluding thoughts, and that is Alejandro. We have about one minute for your question and answer. So go quick. What do you got for us? How can we help? <laughs> Thanks, guys. Quick question. I was noticing in the application process that there's a project-based assessment that would be done in December. So I, I assume it's different projects depending on the track that you're doing. But I'm curious for the product management track, what does that project-based assessment uh, incorporate? Yeah, I'll, I'll just say briefly, all of our assessments are designed to represent what a day in the life might look like. Candidates typically get a week or two to complete it, but it's not really designed to take more than an hour or two. And so one of the core commitments of our selection process is we try to be transparent and over-communicative. And so if you do receive the project-based assessment, what we do is we actually do virtual info sessions at every stage of our process where we preview, hey, here's exactly what you're going to receive. This is what we're going to assess you on, and here's how you can put your best foot forward. I like to think of our process as an open book test, you know, and you have great confidence of exactly what you're being assessed against. And so if you do receive the assessment, trust that you'll hear from us in understanding what that looks like. All right, Alejandro, thank you so much. Uh, Great question. Glad to see so many people interested in this U.S. Digital Core. This was worth it, bringing this insights to Alejandro and everybody else who's asked questions and and made this conversation engaging here. We've got time. we got to do concluding thoughts, and it's a choose-your-own-adventure. You could either leave one bullet point that you hope to leave the audience with, or you could add one more thing is, what did you learn from the experience of either co-founding the U.S. Digital Core, Jamie, another experience, something that you learned from being in the U.S. Digital Core, and Charles, one thing you've learned from just being awesome. So it's your choose your own adventure, about one minute each. Concluding thoughts, we'll start with Chris. Oh boy, uh, I was hoping someone else would start, but I think what I've seen firsthand, and I have the privilege to do a lot of engagements like this, both virtually and in person across the country, is just the sheer excitement that people have in in public service. And so being able to debunk the myth that, hey, technologists don't care about the world, they don't care about making an impact. I've seen hundreds, thousands of people at all career stages raise their hands wanting to serve. And so that is a really validating and inspiring conversation to have. I'll never have get tired of, of conversations like that one-on-one. And so that has been powerful. It motivates the work that we do every day here at the Digital Core to hire and empower good people and to, to make change across government. So it, it's been awesome getting to meet Jamie, her fellow fellows, and, and the rest of the program. And I'm hoping that the answer to, to the title of this event is the Digital Core Path to Impact, uh, that, that the answer is yes um, for, for hopefully some of the people here as well. So. That's probably what I would say. Thank you, Chris. Appreciate you being here and uh, appreciate uh, you building this pathway for diverse talent to show what they could do and have an impact doing it. Jamie, concluding thought. Yes, Chris, I agree with you. I hope the answer is yes as well. I would say that it's an exciting time to come to government and especially product. There's a growing emphasis that's growing uh, every day on user-centric solutions, customer experience, DEI, and just product in general. And I would say the other thing is that you don't limit yourself. You can use all your skills that you have, and then you you find those gaps if there's something else that you want to pursue. And you use those uh, gaps and you fill those and you go for it. Definitely don't limit yourself, but it's an exciting time to come into government. Uh, and thank you again for being here. Thank you. And Charles, concluding thought. Yeah, I think, you know, when I look around and I feel like there's a bit of a, a hangover around faith and technology right now in terms of the promise of what it could be and what it's turned into. 
And what I mean by that is like our people are more divided than ever as a result often of new and emerging technology. And they haven't seen a real impact in the quality of the citizen experience and the service delivery. And just making that really concrete, you know, I still serve the government as an army officer. And my colleagues here at Autodesk, you know, when they see me, they'll come up and they say, I want to serve, you know, I want to make a difference. How can I support? How can I be part of the solution? And and some of, you know, go, going back to Ashley's question, some of them aren't U.S. citizens. They say, I want to be part of this country. I want to serve. I want to contribute my capabilities here. And I'm, so I'm just really thankful for programs like the U.S. Digital Corps, for leaders like Chris, for leaders like Jamie, that are really providing opportunities and avenues to bring these amazing capabilities and service to solve real problems here that are going to really improve trust, not just with government, but through that with each other. So shout out to you, Chris, and everything you're doing. And shout out to you, Jamie, and all the fellows in the U.S. Digital Corps. Thank you, Charles. Appreciate your enthusiasm as always. My concluding thoughts are, I also hope that uh, you see that this might be a path to impact and product management. We spent today's conversation and many conversations trying to empower people to break into product management because we need more diverse voices building the future through technology. I also want to say, while this conversation was focused on people trying to get into product management, the Product Management Center is also building a brand new program to help people who are already product managers So we've got the Elevate program, which is exclusively for product managers who are both high-performing, want to elevate their careers, and also uh, want to elevate their peers. And so the Elevate program includes extended workshops, book clubs, and office hours, small group office hours to get personal help from leading product executives. So if that's uh, something that interests you, uh, you could apply today. There's a link in the podcast, but you could also just search for Elevate from the Product Management Center at the University of Washington. Jeff, one note on that on Elevate, I would say, Chris, to your graduating now fellows in their second year that are seeking to build connections across to their commercial product manager counterparts, this might be a great opportunity for us to learn together. Yes, Charles. Yes. I love it. And I want to conclude with a thank you, a big thank you to Charles for pulling this together, Chris and Jamie for giving your valuable time and uh, expertise and insight. And I wish you both the best of luck in this program. And uh, thank you everybody for listening. We'll be back next week with product executives talking about managing multiple product teams. So we've got a great episode next week. Like and subscribe to the How to Succeed in Product Management podcast wherever podcasts are downloaded. Take care, everybody.